1 Corinthians 15, 32. If in the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantages it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I want to speak to you on the subject in light of eternity. You may be seated. We're on the brink of a brand new year and there are horizons that are new and opportunities for growth and progress in all of our lives and in every dimension of our lives. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning, so you don't have to wait till December 31st or January 1st to make a resolution to implement change in your life, but it just seems to work this way. It's time for another round of resolutions based on our need for change. But I want you to think about the factors that drive the decisions that you make. I want you to think about this, that every decision that you will make this month, and I'm talking about starting tomorrow, January, or any month for that matter, every decision that you ever make is driven by the values that you hold. If we resolve to lose weight or join a gym, that decision is driven by the value we place on our health. If we determine to spend more time with our spouse and children, those of us who have families, we're demonstrating the value that we place on our family. If we choose to connect with the ministry in our local church and serve on a team here, it's because of the high value we place on using our gifts for God's glory. If we resolve to deepen our walk with God in 2018, the decision to read and study our Bibles, the decision to fast and pray in a consistent way is based on the value we place. And it's the value we place not on time, but on eternity. It's the value we have that even the longest life is but a brief moment, a shadow, a vapor, like a brief watch in the night. And then, after time, eternity for us begins. We make decisions to distance ourselves from sin and draw closer to God, not in the light of time, but in the light of eternity. To live in the light of something is to live with an awareness of a truth that becomes a guiding influence in our lives. We live in light of eternity. Eternity is a reality that must inform and determine the decisions 
every facet of our lives, knowing that we will spend eternity either in heaven or hell should be the most influential factor in every decision that we make every day, every week, every month, every new year. Every value that we embrace and hold as precious in our lives should be based on the light of eternity. What if all of our decisions were made in light of eternity? How would our lives be different? What change would come into our lives? What if we subordinated every other value to the priority of eternity? How would our lives be different? What would we eliminate from our lives? And what would we add to our lives in light of eternity? Our life on earth had a beginning and it will have an ending. At our death, time for us stands still and stops. But eternity continues. And there is no altering our eternal destiny after we die. The Bible said that after death comes judgment. Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The New Testament books in the Bible that we call epistles are letters written to Christians. They're vital to our spiritual health and life. The epistles contain instruction, correction, rebuke, direction, and lots of encouragement and insight on how to actually live out the sayings of Jesus in our lives every day. And those truths are eternal. They are applicable in every generation, in every culture, everywhere in the world. They are universally applicable. As issues arose in that early first church, these letters were sent to these new Christians to set them on the right path. In his great wisdom, God inspired those books of the Bible, and they become an anchor of instruction in our lives even a day in 2000, almost 18. We still live by them because they're still right and they still work. They're eternally applicable. The books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians are, are especially significant and I'm going to deal with some truths in 1st Corinthians today. In 1st Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul is dealing with questions about the resurrection. There are people that are struggling with the idea that after death, we resurrect and live again. Now, Paul starts this chapter with affirming to them what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless I have believed in vain. You have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, 
that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The anchor of our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. We believe that. We preach that. And they believe that. They believed that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. There were still living witnesses, eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ in that day. It was indisputable evidence that Jesus had risen from the dead. Unlike Lazarus or Dorcas or others in the Bible who were raised from the dead. When Jesus resurrected, he never died again. In Revelation, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Paul said that some of you in Corinth, are saying that even though Jesus raised from the dead, that there is no resurrection from the dead for us. And your faith has affected your life. Because you have lost sight of eternity, because you have lost sight of the resurrection from the dead, you are now living for time and not living for eternity. This is a problem in Revelate in 1 Corinthians and in the church in Corinth. He said, now, he preached that Christ rose from the dead, and how is it that some of you are saying that there is no resurrection from the dead? I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 15. I'm actually going to verse 13. But, but if there be no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain, and, and your faith is vain. I mean, you're just living a hoax. You're coming to church and struggling with the world, but, but you've lost sight of eternity. So we're preaching wasted sermons, and you're living a wasted life if there is no resurrection from the dead. He said, we're found false witnesses. We're a bunch of liars for preaching the resurrection if Christ did not rise from the dead, and if we're not going to rise from the dead. Christianity is vanity without a resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if there is no hope of our resurrection in the future. But Paul makes it very plain. He tells us in verse 19, if in this life only, we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. Some translations say pitiful. There are people that look at you and they say, look at those pitiful people. They don't party like we party. They don't lie like we lie. They don't sin like we sin. And it is all for nothing. They say you're a pitiful bunch of people. And Paul said we're of all men most miserable if everything we're living for ends at our last breath. Now, the way we live is superior to 
the secular sinful life. We have a more abundant life, a full life. This life pays off in time, but it especially pays off in eternity. But in the middle of a struggle, in the face of a temptation, in the middle of persecution, and maybe even martyrdom, if you're living only in time, you're going to throw in the towel, you're going to capitulate to the pressure, you're going to give up. But if you live in light of eternity, no matter what happens in this life to you or against you, you will not buckle under the pressure of the day. You're living in light of eternity. We say no to sin and yes to godliness, but, but why? If we merely die and cease to exist, we might as well go ahead and enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Some of the people that are sitting here watching online right now that's how you're living. You say you believe, but you're not living in light of eternity and the values you hold and the decisions that you've made in this past year reflect that you don't really believe. You don't really believe in eternity. For if you did, you would live in light of eternity when you're only living in light of time. In the same chapter, our text, when Paul was in Ephesus, he faced fierce persecution and he's writing to the Corinthians referring to that particular incident. And the best we understand, he didn't fight with literal beasts like lions in the Colosseum that Christians eventually faced, but beasts like men. And he said, after the manner of men, I fought with people who were like beasts in Ephesus. I stood my ground. I hung in there. I did not deny the faith. He said, if I went through that in Ephesus... And if there is no resurrection, why in the world did I go through that? If there is no heaven to gain, if there is no hell to avoid, he said, if there is no resurrection, let's just eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. What good is all this suffering if there's no eternity? Why would I endure opposition and persecution with no hope of eternal life? What advantage is there in living for God if there's no difference in what happens when we draw our last breath? Paul said, if in this life only, we had hope in Christ, we would be of all men most miserable. If we like animals are born and die and cease to exist, then godliness doesn't pay off. Just drink yourself crazy and die. In the Bible, 
we see two different points of view. We see people who live for time and we people see people who live for eternity. And right now, right now today while I'm speaking, you are either living for time or you're living for eternity. Well, let's be honest. If you don't think there's a hell to escape or a heaven to gain, you're going to live for what you can get out of this life right now. There's no eternal punishment in a lake of fire. If there's no Jerusalem with streets of gold and gates of pearl, it really doesn't matter how you live. But eternity is real. There is a literal lake of fire to avoid. There is a literal heaven, a new Jerusalem to gain at any cost. In the Old Testament, Solomon writing in the book of Ecclesiastes, he writes to younger people who think that death is just kind of, you know, way out there. It will never happen to me. I want you to see what he said, Ecclesiastes 11.9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Just do whatever you want to do. But know that for all these God will bring you into judgment. Remember, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Solomon said, therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. The book of Ecclesiastes ends like this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all, or I love the King James, the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. The darkness and light are all the same to God. So what is done in the darkness will be brought to light. In much of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon sees life from a perspective of time alone. But at the end of the book, he brings it all together in, and says that you need to live in light of eternity. And it's very forceful the way he says this. That there's no altering your eternal destination after you die. After death is the judgment. You may remember the New Testament. Jesus told a story of a rich fool. He is very wealthy. He's had an exceptionally good year in farming. He's going to pull down his barns and build bigger bars. He's going to tell himself that everything's okay and he's going to tell himself to take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You hear that same idea repeated that Paul said, if we're not going anywhere, then just go ahead and eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And the rich fool said, eat, drink, and be merry. I've got much goods laid up for many years. But then there was a voice. God said to 
a rich man, thou fool, this night your soul's going to be required of you. And who's going to get the stuff you've gathered up your whole life? Jesus said, so is he that lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. The decisions of the rich fool made a lot of sense in terms of time. But they were foolish in light of eternity. You see, living in denial of eternity doesn't change the reality. It just changes how you spend time. There's a stark contrast between the person who's living for time and the person who's living for eternity. The person who's living for time alone just lives for the moment and even in the moment. The Bible calls it the pleasures of sin for a season, right? The person who's living for time alone may set goals, but those goals are for days or weeks or months or years or for retirement, but those goals have a limitation on them. Those goals are set for time alone and they do not consider what happens when you draw your last breath. What do I want to accomplish in my life? The fool says, but the wise person says, what will I accomplish in my life that will affect eternity? The person who's living for eternity is looking at how the decisions they make and the values they embrace impact them for eternity. The person who's living for eternity has a totally different mindset about the way they spend their lives. And that's why I felt so strongly some time back to close out this year and begin 2018 asking the question, how are you living your life and are you living in light of eternity? Someone who's living in light of eternity, when they think about money, they think about laying up treasures in heaven first and then about retirement or vacations or more things. They know that they're stewards of time and how they deal with time and money and gifting affects what eternity looks like for them. They are not so much oriented towards success they are thinking about significance. What am I doing with my life that matters for eternity? How will my brief sojourn here affect what happens then and there? The person who's living for time is tempted to do what feels good now. They cut corners they cheat as much as possible. Their only fear is a fear of getting caught in earthly consequences. So if they think they can get by, they cheat on their taxes, on their company, on their spouse. Because they're just living for time. Not in light 
of eternity. The person who is living for eternity thinks about the consequences of their decision. They know that kicks have kickbacks and that you reap what you sow and you can't sow to the wind and then pray for a crop failure. And whatever you sow, you will also reap. The person is living in light of eternity resists temptation. Or they have a different view of life. Like Moses, they do resist those pleasures of sin for a season and they value, they value eternal life. The person who's living for time grows weary and impatient when things don't happen on their timetable. But the person who is living for eternity is patient under the coming of the Lord. They realize that God created time and he uses it to fulfill his will. They believe that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to their purpose so they don't shortcut, they don't cheat, they don't manipulate, they trust God because they live in light of eternity. The person who's living for time alone avoids pain as much as possible and really lives to pursue pleasure. But the person who's living for eternity knows that the suffering in this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. The person who's living for time cannot see past tomorrow, next week, next year, or the end game of this life. But the person who sees eternity sees invisible realities. Paul said it like this on the screen, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Living in light of eternity. See, the person who's focused on time fears death, will do anything to preserve their life now. But Jesus said if you lose your life, you're going to save it. And people who live for eternity say things like Paul said, if my earthly tent, my tabernacle is dissolved, hey, that's no big deal. We've got a heavenly tabernacle. He said, in fact, I earnestly groan. I look forward to the day. People like Paul who live for eternity say things like, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. They're living in light of eternity. When you live in light of eternity, you don't live like the person who lives for time. I mean, you, you, you look before you leap off into a decision. If you live in light of eternity, if you're thinking about relocating to another area, you think first about the spiritual ramifications of that decision on you and your family. If you're thinking about changing your career, you carefully consider how that will affect your spiritual health and your availability for ministry because you live in light of eternity. When you live in light of eternity, you don't sacrifice your children 
on the altar of secular success. We want our kids to do well in school and life, but in light of eternity, we're not gonna, it's not an acceptable loss for my kids to go to hell but be successful in life or popular in school or not stand out to their friends. What kind of a foolish decision is that to let your kids be popular here only to go to hell because you compromise eternal principles? As we look forward to a new year, we consider the changes that we need to make in our lives. Maybe you've got some resolutions you've already started. Don't be cynical and give up about change because just try it again. Do it again. Don't give up on being better in 2018. But as you make those decisions, let your frame of reference not just be time. Make those decisions in light of eternity. In the same book, 1 Corinthians, that I've been preaching from today, it's, it's the book where we learn about the Lord's Supper. Jesus told us, but Paul rehearsed it. And he told us something really applicable today that I want to drive home when we receive communion today. The apostle Paul wrote them to, wrote to correct some things. Look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Remember his subject now in 1 Corinthians 11 is the Lord's Supper or communion as we commonly call it here. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. He said, now every time you take communion, when that unleavened bread, that wafer, goes into your mouth and you honor the broken body of Jesus Christ, you're looking back to what he did on the cross for you when his body was broken for you. But you don't just look back to that broken body. You look ahead to that glorious body, to the one who will appear in the clouds, who's coming back again. You look back and you look ahead because communion ties you to the sacrifice of Jesus, but it also connects you to the coming of the Lord. And you hold that cup, and in our church we drink grape juice, non-alcoholic, that crushed grape juice. When that touches your lips and you look back and think about the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed for you on the cross. Don't just look back at that bloody body hanging there bleeding for you. But look ahead to the body of Christ that is gathered together with the Lord in the air. Paul said every time you receive communion you are remembering the Lord's death in view of the Lord's coming. 
It ties the past and the future together. That's what we're going to do today. You see, I know that when Jesus Christ paid the price for my sins on the cross, that his blood that was shed redeemed my soul from a literal burning hell. And when I say today that we live in light of eternity, I am talking about the sacrifice of Jesus saving my soul from a place the Bible is very clear about that it is, according to the words of Jesus, a place of eternal torment. It is a lake that burns with fire and sulfur or brimstone forever and ever. It is a place where there is wailing and the gnashing or gashing of teeth. It is a place where people will be eternally separated from the Lord. It is a place in Revelation, the Bible said this lake of fire and brimstone where they will be tormented day and night forever. It is a place, the Bible says, where they have no rest day and night. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 and 8 said, but God commended or displayed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. By the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are saved from that burning lake of fire. We live in light of eternity. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. On the screens. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and when this mortal shall have put on incorruption, excuse me, I got that backwards, but then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Paul wrote about this again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, the dead in Christ, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this I say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I tell you that we live not in light of time, but we live in light of eternity. We live every day in anticipation that as Jesus died for us, he is coming for us. We live for that day that the trumpet sounds. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, every child will be paid for. Everything we went through will make sense. Every sin we avoided, every decision that we made in light of eternity will pay off like we cannot imagine. Why don't we worship him right now?